Getting sober requires a lot more than mind over matter, a lot more than willpower. It's about leveraging the support around you. People in recovery typically need a mix of medical help, emotional support, and changes in lifestyle to manage their addiction, not just mental determination. As both a therapist and someone embracing the recovery lifestyle, there's one tool I always recommend to people needing extra accountability, Soberlink. Soberlink is a high-tech breath analyzer system designed to help you get and stay sober. And here's why I love it. You'll test the same day every day, eliminating testing anxiety. Friends and family receive instant test results, helping you rebuild trust and preventing relapse. Accountability is a part of that, and it's something to really be embraced. Devices have built-in facial recognition, so your support circle knows you're testing, and tamper-resistant sensors flag any attempts at trying to beat the system, so your sobriety is never questioned. So let 2024 be your best year yet. Visit Soberlink.com forward slash T-A-M to sign up and receive $50 off your device. That's Soberlink.com forward slash T-A-M. And let accountability be your guide. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Addicted Mind Plus, the podcast where recovery, mental health, and wellness take the front seat. I'm Dwayne Osterland, and joining me is my co-host, Eric Osterland, known for his insightful work on the Stuck Brain podcast. In each episode, we'll dive into actionable small steps to help those in recovery journey further along the path to wellness. Our conversations are designed to be concise, typically around 15 minutes, though we may occasionally delve deeper when the topic demands it. Our goal, to provide you with practical advice grounded in real experiences and expert insights to empower your recovery journey. So whether you're on a break, on a walk, or just taking a moment for yourself, join us as we explore the many facets of recovery and mental health one small step at a time. This is The Addicted Mind Plus, where your journey to wellness gets an extra boost. So let's get started. All right, everyone. Welcome to The Addicted Mind Plus. I'm Dwayne Osterlund, and I'm here with my brother, Eric. Hello, everybody. Very nice to be here today. And we've got a great episode today. Today, we're going to talk about the top seven cognitive distortions that feed our dysfunctional beliefs and keep us from achieving the life we want and stuck in our addiction cycle. Now, if you're listening right now, ask yourself, how many times in the last week have you felt like giving up on yourself? You felt like you're not good enough. You said, you know, uh, there must be something wrong with me. How many times in the last week have you said, you know what, I feel like a failure, so I must be one. I'm really just a hopeless addict. There's no point in trying anymore. I'm damaged. Everyone will always see me as an addict. And I've made so many failures in my life that any progress I make now is just insignificant. If you've said any of those things to yourself, I'm glad you're here today. I'm glad you're on this episode. Even if you're doing well and you feel like you're achieving your sobriety, this episode is for you because there's ways we can improve our cognitive distortions and our beliefs and even achieve more. Absolutely. You can reach your potential if you understand these cognitive distortions and challenge them. 
Yeah, and if you continue to engage in these cognitive distortions, then you are going to continue to be mired down in negativity and continue to struggle in your addiction and your anxiety and depression. That's why this is so important to learn about and learn how to change some of these cognitive distortions that we all have to a certain degree. Yeah, and if you're listening right now, I know you're going to relate because cognitive distortions are something we all deal with. If you're alive and thinking you are going to get stuck in these cognitive distortions. Absolutely. So before we jump into all these cognitive distortions, let's give a brief history about it. This came out of the work of Aaron Beck in the mid-20th century. He's the creator of cognitive behavior therapy. And in his practice, he noticed working with people who were struggling with anxiety and depression and all these life issues that come up, that many of these people had a certain way of thinking that kept them stuck. And he started to identify these ways of thinking, and he called them cognitive distortions. And then he helped these individuals change their thinking in a way that promoted healing and growth. And that's the power of this model. And all of us can change the way we think, and that will change how we are going to show up in the world and how we're going to feel. It will unstick our stuck, addicted mind. Absolutely. So should we just jump in? Yeah, let's do this. All right. So we're going to list off the top seven right here. So the first one we're going to start with is all or nothing thinking. How often have you said to yourself, uh, you know what? I slipped. Everything's ruined. I'm back to square one. Or if I can't be perfect, what's the point? Yeah, we see that quite a bit. It's one of the most common distortions that we see with people that are dealing with addiction. Yeah. If the person comes in and says, you know what? One slip ruins everything. I'm just back to square one. So when we recognize all or nothing thinking, we can challenge that. And we can say something to ourselves like, recovery is a journey. It's not a destination. One slip doesn't erase all our progress. You can celebrate the small wins and learn from these setbacks. And if you reframe that all or nothing thinking, you're creating new possibilities for yourself. Yeah, it can be a game changer. Absolutely. So you want to take number two, Eric? Yeah, this one is mental filters. And this is a common cognitive distortion that we see often, and it really holds people back. So an example of it would be, everyone at the meeting seems happy, and I'm the only one struggling. Or my therapist didn't mention my progress. Maybe they think I'm failing. Another example is, my positive changes don't matter. I'm still an addict. It's kind of like this. If I put on a pair of glasses and I had several specks of dirt on my glasses, I might just, as I'm viewing through the world, I might just focus on those couple specks of dirt and leave out all the positive stuff around me. That's what mental filtering is. So when you catch yourself doing that, the best thing you can do is start to challenge that thought and you want to shift your perspective. Focus on your own journey. So shift it to yourself not the other people. Practice gratitude. I'm thankful for where I'm at. I've had one day sober, two days sober. I feel like I'm getting better. Focus on the gratitude. That helps you change that cognitive distortion. That's the ways that I would challenge that specific cognitive distortion. Yeah, I think this is really powerful because oftentimes with our negative bias, we do not pay attention to the positive things that we're doing and we just filter that out. 
and we don't even realize we're doing it. So yeah, this one is a great one to challenge and notice when when you're struggling. And that leads us into our next cognitive distortion that is similar, but a little bit different at the same time. You want to talk about that one? Yeah. This is one where you might be saying something like, you know, helping others doesn't count if I still relapse sometimes or staying sober for a week isn't a big deal. Everybody does that. You may have said to yourself, well, I've made some progress, but it still just isn't enough. So this is called discounting the positive, and it's about downplaying positive experiences and achievements. And once again, this goes into our negativity bias where we don't see these positive things and we don't actually pay attention to them and see how far we've actually come. So what's important in this one is to challenge it when we're in that mode of thinking where we're like, oh, this isn't good enough. I'm, you know, it doesn't count. Everybody makes progress and I'm not making the progress and I haven't done that much to be able to challenge that and start to list out the positive things that you're doing and really pay attention to each step forward and acknowledge your contributions and the impact on yourself and the impact you've had on others. So we want to stop discounting the positive steps that we're making. Yeah, that will make a huge difference in recovery. And Eric, take this next one, because I know for me, this is something I do a lot, and I really have to step back from this. Me too. This is a very common cognitive distortion that I see and I've experienced myself. This is called jumping to conclusions. An example would be, my friend avoided me. They must think I'm boring because I'm in recovery. Or my sponsor didn't reply. They must be disappointed in me. The cravings mean I'm about to relapse. There's no stopping it. We just go straight to the conclusion. And that's not healthy. And the reason why this is so detrimental is because it's making negative assumptions without evidence. There's no evidence there, and we're going straight to the negative. So an example, again, would be my friend avoided me. They must be thinking I'm boring because I'm in recovery. We went straight to the negative without evidence. So one of the ways you combat that is you start to look for the evidence, and then you have transparent conversation with your friend. So you reach out to your friend, you know, I feel this way. I feel like you're avoiding me because I'm in recovery. Is that true? And you seek the evidence and it will help this cognitive distortion. And one of the things we do when we jump to conclusions is we take actions based on a lack of evidence that don't always serve us. So we want to stop ourselves from jumping to conclusions to get accurate information to be able to then make a decision that fits, that's appropriate for the situation. But you're absolutely right. So many times we do this and we make decisions and we don't have all the information in front of us. So we don't want to jump to conclusions. No, we don't. And this plays into number five, which is emotional reasoning. And this means we believe our feelings to reflect reality. So we're using our emotions to reason our way through something. I feel like a failure, so I must actually be one. I'm anxious, so something bad must be about to happen. I'm having cravings right now. That means I just don't have any willpower and I'm a failure. And so what we're doing is we're giving our emotions more power than they deserve. Now, we can challenge this by realizing feelings are valid, but they're not always accurate. They're just feelings. So emotions don't have to define you. 
You can use mindfulness and self-compassion to manage these difficult emotions and not fall in the trap of the cognitive distortion of emotional reasoning. This is a big one. It is. And part of this actually goes into our next cognitive distortion, which is called labeling. And I see this all the time. Yeah. And this is a very common, common cognitive distortion. Labeling, I'll give you an example, is I'm a hopeless addict. There's no point in trying anymore. Or I'm a loser. I'm never going to be good enough. I'm damaged. I'm broken. Everyone will always see me as an addict. You label yourself as this. So it assigns permanent negative values to yourself and others. That's the damage that it does when you use this cognitive distortion. So let's take the example. I'm a hopeless addict. There's no point in trying anymore. Let's take that cognitive distortion. The way you're going to challenge that is you're simply going to say, I'm labeling. When I label things, it's limiting. It doesn't focus on my strengths. I have potential for growth. Uh, I am not my addiction. I want you to say that when you catch yourself labeling, say, I am not my addiction. And that's as simple as it can get for that cognitive distortion. Yeah. So now we're on to our last one, number seven, personalization and blame. And this is where you entirely blame yourself or someone else for a situation that in reality involves many factors that were out of your control. Either you give it all away or you take it all on. And an example might be something like, you know, my partner was so stressed out that caused me to relapse. It's their fault I relapse. So you're blaming them. And when you have to look at that situation, you have to look at it from a nuanced perspective so that you can be responsible for your own choices, but not for others' actions or behaviors. You can focus on your own recovery journey and seek healthy ways to manage external influences. Another example on the flip side of it is if only I had done everything correctly, it would have worked out positively. So you blame yourself, you personalize it. So you take it all on when a situation really needs to be broken down and seen as a bigger picture. And with that new information, you can make better choices that are more nuanced and you can be strategic in your thinking and not get locked into this very narrow way of seeing a situation. And it's important to be able to do that. Yeah, there's often so many factors in life that cause things to go right or wrong that it's not all us or all one person. Yeah, and if you're listening, you might notice that all seven of these cognitive distortions influence each other. They overlap. It's not black and white. So they play into each other too. So if you're doing one, you're more likely to be doing another one. And they overlap and impact each other. And they increase that negativity that keep us stuck in that addictive cycle. Yeah, Dwayne, I totally agree with you. Now, if you incorporate recognizing your cognitive distortions and work on challenging them, you can develop a new way of thinking that leads towards a life that you want. It's something simple that you can do right now. You can start right now looking at these cognitive distortions that are going to help you get unstuck in that addicted cycle. And you know what's important to know out there if you're listening to this? The research backs this up. Cognitive behavior therapy has been researched more than any modality, and it continues to show positive results. It's something you can do. You have the power to control your thinking 
and change your life and decide how you're going to show up to this life. And so this power is in your hands. So what we did is we created a worksheet for you of all of these seven cognitive distortions with an explanation and examples with a follow-up worksheet where you can step-by-step write down these cognitive distortions, write down the activating event, and start to break them down and challenge your own cognitive distortions yourself and start to change the way you're thinking. Just go to theaddictedmind.com forward slash plus or in the show notes and you can download it there. Go do it today. It's worth it. It's worth it and it's easy to do and it will move the needle quite a bit in your recovery. It's a simple activity that you can do to help break you out of the addiction cycle. Yeah, absolutely. So we hope this episode has been helpful to you. We hope that you've gotten a lot out of it. And look, if you're getting a lot out of the addicted mind or you know somebody that might benefit from this podcast, share it with them. Give them this information so they can get on the journey with you and leave us a review right now in whatever podcast app you're using. That helps other people find the addicted mind and get the same valuable information. Everybody needs to work on this. It's something that's so important for the world. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning into the Addicted Mind Plus. We hope today's episode has brought you valuable insights and a small step to support your journey in recovery, mental health, and wellness. For more information about this episode and additional resources, please visit our website at theaddictedmind.com forward slash plus. And if there's a topic you're eager to hear about or a question you'd like us to explore, we'd love to hear from you. Reach out to us at theaddictedmind.com and let us know your thoughts. Your journey is important and we're here to support you every step of the way. Until next time, take care and keep stepping forward on your path to wellness. It's easy to blame ourselves for our struggles with alcohol. We see people around us being able to control their drinking without any consequences, yet no matter what we try, we can't seem to figure it out for ourselves. My name is Jillian Teets, and I am the host of the Sober Powered Podcast, where I use my biochemistry background to explain the latest research in addiction and help you understand both why you drink the way you do and how to develop the skills and mindset you need to find freedom from alcohol. I discuss topics like why we think about our drinking 24-7, why we have no off switch, and why we crave alcohol. If you're struggling with your drinking or you know someone who is, then I hope that you will check out the Sober Powered Podcast. New episodes every Friday. See you there.